Hey guys, this episode of the Command Edit Podcast is brought to you by Screenlight. Screenlight simplifies the review and approval process for video editors. Upload your video, share it privately to the client, and receive frame-accurate feedback in a simple, user-friendly environment. Head on over to screenlight.tv slash commandedit to get your free 1GIG account. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Command Edit Podcast. Nick and I are splitting it up this week. Uh, you can blame this on me. I could not get my act together one night for me and him to record. Uh, let's assume I'm going first. Uh, so, hey Nick, uh, yeah, you're coming coming on after me. So, thank you for listening. Uh, in my half of the episode, I want to talk to you about why, uh, why backing in my car makes me a faster video editor. And let me try and explain that to you. So for as long as I've been driving, uh, about 12 years now, wow, it's getting up there, uh, I've always backed in my car. So I, I started driving with a pickup truck. It wasn't a massive pickup truck by any means. It was a Chevy S10, uh, which I don't believe is made anymore. But I always backed it in. That's how my dad taught me. You know, he, he taught me... Uh, Backing in was easier than trying to back out in traffic or in a parking lot or, or, or anything like that. So not only does it impress my mother-in-law, but it I believe it keeps me safer in parking lots and driving and all of that. So how does that exactly make me a faster editor? So I, I have a philosophy about why I back in my car. Uh, I believe that I will more than likely be in a rush when I leave than that exact moment uh, wherever I'm getting to. So, like, if I'm running late to a movie, okay, yeah, I'm going to whip into a spot and run out and try and catch, you know, the, the previews. Or, you know, if I've, uh, you know, stayed at work late and uh, went to happy hour and sat in traffic for you know, gosh knows how long. Um, yeah, I'm probably running inside to uh, run to the men's room. Um, and that's really the only times I'm going to front in my car. All the other times, uh, I mean, I'm getting home from Target in the evening. You know, that's, that's my typical evening. Uh, I'm going to assume that I'm not going to... I'm going to assume that I'll be more in a rush the next time I get in my car. And that's more than likely going to be the next morning when it's, you know, 5.55 and I wanted to leave at 5.45. So I'm pretty sure you can relate to that. And let me tell you, uh, backing out at 5.45 in the morning when it's pitch black um, before any coffee, um, I mean, it, it, it's much safer to be forwarding out. And by the way, is it forwarding out or fronting out of a space? I have no idea. Uh, let me know. You guys know at command edit pod, at command edit on Twitter or at command or command edit podcast at gmail.com. All right. So let's bring this back to editing and take my practice and my philosophy um, towards editing. All right. What this means is anytime like I, I'm, I'm setting up a project, um, I'm going to take my time 
and set up the folders and the bins and, and all of that correctly. I'm going to do all my due diligence in the paperwork. Um, I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, leave specific uh, detailed markers or locators in my nonlinear editor um, and all that and all those kinds of things. So when I'm, this is just bad practice in general, even if I, even if you are in a rush, you never want to just, you know, grab some clips from your desktop or your downloads folder and import them into your NLE. It, it's not good habit. And, you know, if you come back days or months later uh, and those files are now moved, they're either going to be offline or unlinked or something's going to go funky the next time you open up your project. Like, it just, you don't want to do those sorts of things. It's where the whole philosophy comes in, setting yourself up for the next time. Yeah, you know, it could be easier just to drag those files in. And, you know, maybe you think, all right, I'll be done after this today and I'll never need to go back. But in my experience, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm probably going to reopen a project for one reason or another. And generally, if I'm opening that project back up, it's because I need to do something to it. And even, you know, uh, more generally, um, whatever I'm doing to it is probably going to be on a time crunch. So I'm not going to have time to go and spend searching for some file that I used to have in, you know, whatever folder sitting on the desktop. Uh, it needs to be in that specific workflow that I set up at the beginning of my project. It's all about like doing your due diligence at the at the very beginning. So uh, for Media Composer specifically, Media Composer is my NLE, for those who don't know, that's my, my main one. Um, when you import or transcode something in uh, into Media Composer, you have to set a hard drive and a resolution. And if you set it to the wrong hard drive, and the next time you boot up Media Composer and you don't have that hard drive on there, it's going to be offline. And then it's going to be a huge deal. Got to go find the other hard drive or go find the footage, uh, you know, from your SD card or whatever you shoot on. Um, and you never want to do that. If you just take your time and, you know, give yourself that habit of when you're when you're starting um, in a project just to do everything right and to to take your time so that you're set up better for the next time you go into your project. That making does that make any sense? All right. So that's how packing in my car makes me a faster editor. Let me know what you think guys. Um I hope this made some sort of sense to you. It makes sense to me. Uh yeah, let us know on Twitter. Shoot us a email, give us a comment in the show notes. All right, and I'm going to pass it on over to Nick. Here you go, man. Thanks, Josh. Solid segment on how to better set yourself up for the future. You never know when you might be needed to jump into the proverbial car and just go. My segment for this week is one that has been on my mind ever since I walked out of the movie theater last month, and it has to do with a complaint that I'm sure you've noticed we hear a lot of nowadays. This complaint takes on many forms, but mostly it can be heard as, the CGI in that movie was so fake. Or, more generalized, CGI is ruining movies. Before I get into it, I need your help in taking a poll and hearing your opinion. It helps if you've seen both 2003's Hulk and 2008's The Incredible Hulk. If you haven't, head over to commandeditpodcast.com by clicking on the blog link to this episode in the description and compare both depictions of the Hulk side by side. 
Which do you prefer? And by that, I mean, which do you think looks better? We'll return to this in a little bit. But first, a quick story about my experience seeing Jurassic World and how it got me thinking differently about the state of CGI right now. I don't see movies in the theater nearly as often as I used to. A trip to the cinema is really only reserved for nowadays for the big blockbuster eye candy movies that scream to be experienced on a giant screen in a great big theater with a great big bucket of buttery popcorn and sticky floors, yeah! At the time of Jurassic World's release, I was mildly interested in going to see it. To be honest, I was turned off from what I saw in the trailers. I wasn't one of those people who poo-pooed the heavy use of CGI to create the entire island of prehistorical creatures. No, I just didn't buy the idea that Chris Pratt had created a motorcycle gang of raptors. Hmm. When I was invited by some filmmaker friends of mine to go see it, however, my rubber arm was twisted and my inner child screamed, Let's go see the dinosaurs! That being said, my friends who had invited me had stated beforehand that they were fully expecting to be disappointed by it and just wanted to see it to rip it apart. Or be proven wrong. Well, the movie finished and we all walked out of the theater and drove home. Before the group disbanded for the night, we each took turns expressing our unsurprised disappointment with the movie. Some comments made were along the lines of, It was so predictable. So unoriginal in its story. Why did the director do this? Or why did the actor do that? One of my favorite comments heard was from a filmmaker who had a soft spot for animals and expressed with incredulity, I can't believe they depicted so many dinosaurs as violent animals that are always eating people. But of course, eventually the comments all came back to the visuals. The dinosaurs just looked so fake. Jurassic Park, the first one, looked way better. And why couldn't they have used more practical effects instead of digitally animating every dinosaur? I mostly kept quiet because I realized something about the movie as I was watching it that I hadn't expected. I enjoyed it. Very much so. I enjoyed it almost as much as I enjoyed seeing Jurassic Park the first time as a young 10-ish year old boy. And although nothing can quite capture the magic of seeing a T-Rex stomp around and roar on screen for the first time with such realism as the first Jurassic installment, this one came very close for me. And not only that, I thought the visual effects were astounding. Granted, I wasn't looking for flaws or trying to rip them apart in my mind, but the movie and the dinosaurs looked incredible to me. Eventually, I spoke up when a comment was made about the fake-looking CGI. I turned and said, honestly guys, if my name was included in the list of visual effects credits and was attributed to the creation of one of those dinosaurs that we saw on the screen tonight, I would be unbelievably proud of myself. The group then agreed with me. Oh sure, if we did them, that would be amazing. But they still didn't look that great. That got me thinking about how we set our standards for blockbuster movies versus independent movies. Do we fairly compare our work to the work of Hollywood on the big screen? Of course, they have hundreds of millions of dollars and an army of veteran crew members to create their stories, so yes, they have a clear advantage. But is it possible that we still expect too much of them? Fast forward a couple of weeks, and a video starts making the rounds on the internet from a user called StoryBrain. It claimed that visual effects peaked in the 90s, when the limitations of the technology meant that most of the movie was still practical and actually captured on camera, and anything digitally created merely acted as a supplement. As visual effects quickly evolved and became capable of much, much more, movies started using it and relying on it more than just a supplement and started using it to create the majority of what you see on screen. The result was imagery that was too perfect. 
too polished, and in the end, not believable in our minds. This video called this the Weta Effect, and it was shared over and over again by many an audience goer fueling the CGI is ruining movies fire. It even included a comparison of 2003's digital depiction of Hulk versus 2008's Hulk, positing that the 2003 one, which was heavily criticized by many visual effects artists as too cartoony and looked more like Shrek, ultimately looked better and was more believable to the brain than 2008's, which was, in my opinion, better designed, better animated, more detailed, and just much more badass overall. Go see the Hulk comparison in the accompanying blog post for this episode on the Command Edit podcast site. But what regular audience goers didn't see was the backlash that happened behind the scenes. In the visual effects industry, artists who caught wind of this Weta Effect video spoke out in defense of their craft, and their argument was valid. Does the movie suck because the story is poorly written, predictable, and the characters portrayed with no depth whatsoever? Hmm, must be the crappy visual effects then. When I started hearing about this, it reminded me of Jurassic World, and then it reminded me of much earlier movies that used techniques that at the time were incredibly innovative to bring characters and worlds to life, but today are very dated and could not have truly passed as realistic to audiences back then. I'm talking about Clash of the Titans, the original King Kong, Jaws, hell, even the climactic scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark, complete with the villains becoming claymation, hasn't exactly aged well. Were there ever audiences back then who started complaining that claymation is ruining movies? I really hope not. Say what you will about CGI, but there's absolutely no denying that it has revolutionized the filmmaking industry in ways that a couple of decades ago we never thought would be possible. It has brought stories to life that would have only before existed in the imagination. It is a tool that when used properly can produce magic and wonder and suck us into the fantasy world of a movie but just like sloppy camera work, poor sound, subpar acting, and lazy writing, CGI, when used improperly, can be detrimental to the story. Compared to the rest of the elements used in filmmaking, it's barely out of its infancy stage too, so while it may be easy to attribute the ruining of movies nowadays to CGI, simply because he was the last guy to show up to the party, I certainly don't think it's fair. The real problem lies elsewhere so we shouldn't knock down the visual effects industry. It gave us the T-Rex, which, let's face it, completely dominated in both Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, and deserves a round of applause. This has been more rant than anything else, but it's been good to get off my chest. Visual effects nowadays really get vilified and blamed for the creative downfall of Hollywood, but let's be honest, it's become more of a scapegoat for other flaws that Hollywood would rather not fix. There have been great uses of CGI and poor uses of it, but it is still just a tool. Nothing more than that. A powerful tool, one that when used properly can create amazing things and help make a story believable in our eyes. If you want to hear more about this kind of discussion on what may be causing the dumbing down of movies lately, another podcast I will recommend is the Film in Focus podcast. Its most recent episode, number 195, touched on this very topic, and it supplements this episode of ours nicely. That wasn't planned, by the way, just a nice coincidence. If you want to see the Weta Effect video or the Hulk comparison, go check out the blog post that goes with this episode on commandeditpodcast.com. Let us know over Twitter which Hulk you prefer and why, at commandedit. Well, since Josh got to open the episode, I guess I'll give it a proper closing. I hope you guys have enjoyed this slightly different programming of our uh, episode 12. 
If you have enjoyed it, then please do us a big favor. Write us a big fat review on iTunes. We really love those, and it really helps the podcast out a lot. It helps us uh, in search results and also makes us feel good about ourselves. And if you want to give us a little bit of criticism on what you'd like to hear in the future, that's just as good. So please do that over on iTunes. Leave a five-star review and a couple words about what you thought about this podcast. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can over Twitter at Command Edit. Be sure to subscribe to get next week's episode and do us a favor, share it with your post-production friends. See you guys next time.